Well, hey there. Welcome to the Green Divas Radio Show. I'm your host, Green Diva Meg. And happy April. Uh, the weather's crazy, but, you know, this is no longer surprising news, is it? I witnessed the most amazing thunder and lightning and sleet storm this past weekend. It was really sci-fi, man. I grabbed my phone and captured a few minutes of it. It went on for like 10 minutes. The best view in our house is from the third floor potty. We live on a hill and our house has a spectacular view of New York City, especially before the trees start blooming. So New York and the horizon were lighting up with the storm uh, and I could see it rolling towards us. Anyway, visit my Instagram to get a peek at Green Diva Meg. Seriously, it's cool. So here are a couple of good quotes that seem appropriate for April weather. The storm starts when the drops start dropping. When the drops stop dropping, then the storm starts stopping. That, of course, is Dr. Seuss. <laughs> Seemed appropriate. Here's another one. April is the cruelest month, breeding lilacs out of the dead land, mixing memory and desire, stirring dull roots with spring rain. And that, of course, is T.S. Eliot. Oh, yeah, and Earth Day is coming. How do I know, you ask? Because I know you want to know. Because I get a thousand freaking email pitches a day <laughs> for at least a month or two before. Uh, and some of them are just really silly ideas and things that the Green Divas need to cover for Earth Day, which we don't. We don't really need to do all that. Earth Day is fun and all, but really, people, every day is Earth Day. So just saying. Before all that, there is a cool event coming up I want to mention April 15th through 17th in New York City. So for anybody in the New York area, you're going to want to go to Green Festival. I'll be there with my mobile recording fun and camera in hand. I'll also be speaking with some other very inspiring folks. So if you are in the New York area, check it out. Go to greenfestivals.org to find out more. So on thegreendivas.com right now, thegreendivas.com, Another fun GD video. This time it's an easy but important DIY. Pre, poo, spray. Yeah, you heard me right. You've heard of poo-pourri, maybe? A few sprays in the potty before you go, and it's like magic. Like nothing sinister ever happened there. Stuff is really simple to make. And you can customize the scent with your favorite essential oils. So please check that out on thegreendivas.com and some other cool stuff. But I want to jump into what's happening on this week's show. We have a feature with Rafi. Okay, uh, I'm like a, like, ser seriously, I was not a child that grew up with Rafi as an entertainer, but as a young mother, when my other, my children were small, we all knew Rafi. He was beloved and is a beloved children's entertainer, musician, and the founder of Child Honoring. Rafi has a new CD, Owl Sing Along, with some new music and some twists on familiar tunes as well. Yes, I do a sing-along with Rafi still. He's definitely a green dude and one of my favorites. 
One of his new songs is called Green Dream, which you will hear at the end of the show after his interview. So please stay tuned for that. It's it's really a great tune. Um, and although he's Canadian, he's also a big Bernie Sanders advocate and was inspired to write a beautiful and powerful song called Wave of Democracy, which we all need to learn and sing right now. Listen for that in a couple of minutes. Uh, we have a new Green Divas Health and Beauty with Brigitte Mars. We recently had an inquiry from a fan about using aloe, so we asked our resident herbal healer, Green Diva Brigitte, to answer her questions. That's an informative one about aloe. Uh, new Green Divas in the Garden. Uh, actually, it's the third in our series with Megan Kane, the creative vegetable gardener. This one is about garden mapping. Yeah, we're in an April freeze at the moment, so it's good time for that. Megan offers us some great hints about this excellent tool for planning our vegetable beds. And one we haven't had in a while, Green Diva's Heart Wildlife. This one is with Hallie Austin Eigelhart. If you love our oceans, if you love the amazing variety of beautiful ocean creatures, then you'll want to pay attention to this segment. Hallie founded All One Ocean, an organization dedicated to cleaning up our shorelines, one beach cleanup station at a time. She's got a brilliant idea, and it's so simple and effective. Please listen up. Also, I'm going to just do my regular pitch for social media interaction, people. I love interacting with y'all. Find me at Green Diva Meg on Twitter. Instagram, and of course, Facebook, Green Diva Mag, and of course, The Green Divas, The Green Divas on Twitter, Instagram, and The Green Divas Radio Show on Facebook. We're also on G+, and Pinterest, and we're, we're all over the place, man. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to cover it all. So yeah, let's get interactive there, and before we launch into the show... I'm going to play Rafi's Wave of Democracy. Then I want you to go to his Facebook page, Rafi, R-A-F-F-I, like it and share it up. Let's make this song and democracy a viral thing, right? All right, kids. Enjoy the rest of the show, and I'll look forward to seeing you out there in social media land. In this time of turning... This time of yearning, feel the wave of democracy As we weave together a future to believe in Feel the wave of democracy We the people stand together Feel the wave of democracy In this time of turning, this time of yearning, standing tall for democracy. The more we get together and care for each other, feel the wave of democracy. We the people stand together, feel the wave. 
democracy. We the people, young and old, feel the wave of democracy. We the people stand together, feel the wave of democracy. We the I'm Dr. Anthony Lazowitz, and this is Climate Connections. Imagine getting the world's leading experts on climate change together for a conversation. With all the best thinkers at the table, what ideas would emerge? What could you learn? That's the concept of a new and still evolving website called the Climate Web. An extensive resource, it houses 11,000 documents and provides links to more than 14,000 outside news stories, blogs, and websites about climate change. Creators Mark Trexler and Laura Koslov designed the site to help companies better assess and manage climate risks. But Trexler says they soon realized the site would be useful to educators, communicators, even individuals. There's just an infinity of information out there. There's so much information out there, in fact, so much good information that we're all just overwhelmed, and we tend to shut down and not even pay much attention to it. So to overcome this challenge, Trexler says the climate web links related ideas together, helping people make connections and better understand the larger context of climate change. In other words, the climate web is designed to do more than spit out the answer to a specific question. It's like having your own panel of diverse experts who can all weigh in and provide the larger context. Climate Connections is produced by the Yale Center for Environmental Communication. Learn more at YaleClimateConnections.org. Vibrant health and beauty radiates from the inside out. Get your glow on with Green Diva's health and beauty tips from natural skincare to creating healthier habits that make us sparkle. Oh, it's been way too long since I had a chance to chat with Brigitte Mars, who is an amazing author of 13 books. She's an herbalist, a wise woman, obviously. She lives in Boulder. Her recent book is Home Reference to Holistic Health and Healing. Hi, Brigitte. It is wonderful to be on your show again. Thank you. Yeah, it's it's been a little bit of a dry spell, and we need some Brigitte. And one of the first things I wanted to ask you about, as our sort of resident green diva herbalist, um, is we had a recent a listener recently sent an email asking us 
if we could answer some questions about aloe vera. She said she sees conflicting reports where sometimes it's okay to ingest and then sometimes it's not. And she's curious what we have to say about that. So I said, oh, I'm taking this to Brigitte. Okay, well, I am delighted to speak a little bit about aloe. So most of us know aloe as the name aloe vera, which Mm -hmm. means the true aloe. And I think a lot of people have the misperception that aloe might be a cactus, but it's actually a member of the lily family. Really? So it's a relative of agave and onions and lily of the valley, although there's some discussion with botanists that it may be sort of subdivided into the agaveaceae family. Hmm. So I think you can probably envision that it does look a little bit like agave and yucca right. and things like that. Right. So those were in the lily family, and maybe they're going to have their own family. I'm not a head honcho botanist that goes to these conventions that <laughs> decides these things. But um, So aloe has long been used in medicine. We know that it was used in ancient Egypt um, in, by the ancient Chinese, Greek, Indian, and it's also legend has it that um, Alexander the Great um, wanted to conquer this island, Socotra, um, where Allah was cultivated because he needed to treat his soldiers' wounds. Oh. And there's also the legend that aloe vera was one of Cleopatra's beauty secrets, that oh. she used it on her skin. Mm. So um, I, I will answer the question directly, but I wanted to say that, you know, aloe, if you slice an aloe leaf, it will ooze gel and then it will seal itself up, which is very much how it works on the body. Mm. Aloe is great for sealing up wounds. Um, it's very antibacterial, so um, it's also antifungal, but it does stimulate new skin growth. So you may have used aloe before or seen it in preparations to treat sunburn yeah. or diaper rash or even acne. Yeah. So aloe vera, why might there be some discrepancy about whether it should be used internally or topically? And when? Well, the peel of aloe is very laxative. So if you were to take a fresh aloe plant and cut a piece of it and ingest it, you might find that it's irritating to the intestines. Okay. And there's a lot of aloe products out there, and in order for them to be taken to market, they are going to have some sort of preservative in them, either sodium benzoate, which is I don't think that bad as a preservative goes, mm-hmm. um, or it may be pasteurized. So, again, if you are going to use a fresh aloe plant, you want to use plants that are at least two years old, and you want to use the outer leaves because those will be the most mature. Okay. And you want to peel it if you're going to ingest it internally, unless your intention is to have a strong purgative reaction. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So yeah. um, so sometimes that's good, and then sometimes like, whoa, wait, I wasn't expecting that. Right. Um, but we do know that aloe, if you just you know feel the gel, it's cooling and anti-inflammatory. Mm-hmm. And it's so beautiful that here in the desert, we have a plant that soothes what ails us in the desert. Right. Sunburn, dryness, thirst, and things like that. Makes sense. And so many people do ingest aloe vera. I have used it myself, and it actually has activity um, because of its antimicrobial properties, even against the helicopactor bacteria that causes ulcers. Hmm. So it's one of my favorite remedies for people that do have ulcers 
to use aloe, not made with the peel, internally, a little shot glass 10 minutes before a meal. And I've seen people who were told, oh, we need to do all these drugs or we need to put you on antibiotics to destroy the bacteria and successfully use aloe. Now, when so there are products out there, and like you said, some of them have certain preservatives or they're pasteurized. What do you recommend uh, for someone who maybe doesn't have aloe plants, doesn't want to have aloe plants, but would like to use it internally? Well, there's some really good brands at the health food stores, and you know, I there's so many brands, it's hard to know what will be at your store. So. I would say an intelligent thing to do is go talk to the person who's at the health food store and ask them what is the one that they're seeing really good results with. Um, I know that I work part-time at a store called Pharmaca, and we carry a lily of the desert and George's and I think natural factors. Um, So there's there's many good brands. There's probably brands that I'm not mentioning here, so I don't want to say that I'm dissing them. It's just that... Yeah, um, no, I understand, but pasteurized versus not pasteurized. Yeah, so you have to preserve it in order for it to be sitting on a shelf at the health food store. Yeah, yeah. And you're probably also seeing aloe used in a lot of body care products like anti-scarring lotions, um, sunburn. It's great in shampoos and conditioners. Um, It's something I often recommend for people trying to clean chlorine out of their hair. It's even good for dandruff and dermatitis. Um, It's used in poison ivy, psoriasis, ringworm. Um, So there's many, many uses for it. And we do know that um, it's even long been considered a rejuvenative. However, because of its potential laxative properties, it does contain a chemical called anthraquinones. Um, You do not want to use it during pregnancy. Okay. Um, just because it might be overly laxative for the mother and you right. do not want to stimulate uterine contractions Correct. in her, um, even though colon contractions and uterine contractions could you know, be very similar. Yeah. Um, too much could cause vomiting. Oh. Um, when people do use aloe as a laxative, it may cause some stomach cramping. So the addition of some herbs like uh, ginger or coriander or peppermint will help prevent that. Okay. And even for using it directly on the skin, I think because of the sodium benzoate, it might actually cause a temporary redness. Um, so I think aloe mixed with other things like calendula or mm-hmm. olive oil mm-hmm. or a little lavender oil might even be more suitable for direct application to the skin. Of course, I'm but lucky you- I have a couple of aloe plants here at the house that I run to when I have certain issues. Oh, wonderful. So even if you're applying it on your skin, you might want to avoid the peel. And you know, the Chinese have a proverb about aloe. It's not an ancient proverb, as you will soon see. Uh And it is, if you can't grow aloe vera, get plastic plants. (laughs) (laughs) That's funny. So even those of us who are not really green-thumbed will probably be successful with this one. I I managed to keep them alive, and it's a miracle. But anyway, wow, that was a great, great um, segment on aloe. Thank you so much, and I look forward to speaking to you again soon. And in the meantime, I know you're going to do a post for us, but how can people find out more about you? Oh, thank you so much. Um, Please check out BrigitteMars.com, B-R. I-G-I-T-T-E, Mars, like the planet, dot com. Cool. Thanks so much, Brigitte. Thank you. Many blessings. Are you sparkling yet? 
Well, you will be. For information on this segment and lots of other healthy green living information, visit thegreendivas.com. That's T-H-E, greendivas.com. Wishing you had a green thumb or want to learn more about sustainable gardening outdoors and in? Expert green divas and dude gardeners share tips for everything from composting to growing herbs in your kitchen. Listen to the Green Divas Green Thumb for low-stress gardening tips. All right. Uh, another winter garden segment. Well, it sounds like winter garden. I think of the winter garden theater. Um, but, you know, those of us that are gardeners are itching to get out there. And Megan Kane, our green diva, green thumb, she is the creative vegetable gardener. She's a garden educator and writer. Uh, and she's – this is the third of our series in garden planning during the winter while we're itching to get out there. Hi, Megan. Hi, Meg. I'm happy to be here. Um, so we talked a little bit about our other two segments about ordering seeds and, and also figuring out your priorities. Yeah. And then we, we – before we got on the call, you had asked what I thought was a great question, one that I think a lot of people have is, how so once you have your seeds how do you figure out where you're going to plant everything in your garden right. seems like that's something that that you're not exactly sure how to do i just get overwhelmed i really i like i, I like i do with everything i get i get a little bit overboard and you know i get like a little map out and a graph and i'm like how about four plants here and you know whatever i make myself crazy <laughs> well, I think that's common that people aren't exactly sure how to how to plan. And actually, I would say that you don't necessarily have to do that level of planning. I've worked first with some CFA farms in the past, and they definitely plant everything. Well, let's say the most organized CFA farmers plant every plan everything out and decide what they're planting where and how many seedlings. Yeah. Um, you know, it's a business. They need to know how many seedlings they're starting. Right. But I'm not necessarily convinced that that's necessary on a home scale. Okay. Um, even I'm a pretty advanced gardener and I don't decide in the winter exactly where I'm planting everything. Okay. But I do, what I do think is, a valuable exercise is to keep a garden map. Yeah, I like this so, idea. So in a way, I'm reverse planning. <laughs> so I recommend that people, it doesn't matter how big your garden is, even if you have only two raised beds, go out to your garden uh, as soon as, at least my garden's covered in snow right now. But when if you have, <laughs> you have a snow-covered garden, wait until it melts. Go out there with a piece of paper and just draw a quick map of your garden. It doesn't have to be to scale if you don't want it to be to scale. All you want is some kind of record. Yeah. And then go back in the house and then make a bunch of copies of it. And then what I like to tell people is then to start a garden binder because then you think, well, where am I going to put this map? Okay. So if you have an old binder laying around, punch some holes in it, put it in a binder, and you've got your first garden binder. Oh, cool. And then... In my garden, I always take my binder out with me when I'm planting seeds and plants, all season long. And I keep really simple records. So I just write down the date, and I write down the variety, and then I usually write down how many I planted and, and where I planted. Okay. And then what happens over time is that you get much more familiar with how many 
say how many seedlings of kale you plant every year. So you almost come up with a formula, and certainly yeah. it changes a little bit year to year. Well, you find but, out you find out what works and what doesn't. Right. Exactly. Exactly. And you and for me, I realized okay, I don't ever really need more than seven kale plants. So even when you're in your garden and you have 14 kale plants sitting right in front of you, you can remind yourself, I don't need more than seven. I'm going to give the rest away to my neighbors or my friends. Right, um, right. And so it's kind of a way, instead of, because I know it can be really overwhelming to try to figure out where you're going to plant everything. And I think it's okay to wing it a little bit during the season. That's certainly what I do. Yeah. But you have records so that you know that you're not planting the same thing in the same spot year after year, because I know that I can't really remember where the tomatoes went. I can remember where they were last year, but I can't remember where they were the year before or the year before. So gives you, helps you with crop rotation, helps you with amount. Uh, and then actually helps you over time knowing maybe what you like to plant together. I, yeah, I know that, oh, yeah. yeah, I like to plant my beets and my carrots together in the same bed. Or yeah. it looks really pretty when I planted this yellow flower with right. the purple cabbage yeah, or whatever. D- dill and, and cabbage, just, yeah. Just tiny little notes. It doesn't have to be anything complicated. My map is pretty messy often has water stains and dirt stains on it. But <laughs> but I do go back and look at it, and I'll be taking it out when I'm ready to seed start this year because I'll think, okay, how many kale plants do I want to start? Right. That's based on how many I grew last year and how many I want to grow this year. So I use my map a lot uh, to help me help me plan my garden. And then I guess you also have to take into consideration you know, if it's up against the fence, where the sun's coming in, so you might want the taller plants in the back or any of the, the uh, you know, things that are cl- climbing, vine things, whatever. Yeah, you definitely want to know when you're in your garden which direction is south. That's very important because you don't want to plant anything that gets really tall on the south side of something that's short. Right, exactly. So say if you have a raised bed and one side, the long side of the raised bed faces south, you don't want to plant a bunch of tomatoes on the south side and then plant some basil behind them right. because they'll most likely get shaded out. And so that's, that's a pretty easy rule of thumb. You don't, it, you, that's really one of the main things is make sure you don't plant really tall things on the south side of something that, that, get, that is pretty short. There you go. Well, you heard it here, and lots more to come. Thanks so much again, Megan. And I know people can go to uh, creativevegetablegardener.com and uh, find some information there. And you're also going to provide for us some relevant information to this podcast for thegreendivas.com. And we'll hopefully get to talk to you again soon. We'll start getting in the garden pretty soon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then we can move on to what things to do outside in your garden in the spring. Yay. Thanks, Megan. Thank you. Inspired to grow more organic stuff? We are. To learn more about this Green Diva's Green Thumb episode and all kinds of other great green information, visit thegreendivas.com. That's T-H-E, greendivas.com. It's being touted as the latest health benefit fad for humans, but it's long been a staple in the ocean that's a critical part of maintaining life on Earth. More about krill after this. 
Everyone wants to be a part of the green movement, and that's a great thing. Going green takes on a whole new meaning when you add tall grass beef to your family's dinner table. It's tender and juicy, and since the cattle graze on the natural grasslands of Kansas, it's also loaded with essential fatty acids and omega-3s that regular grain-fed beef lacks. It's good for you and your family and good for the earth. For more information and to order tall grass beef online, go to www.tallgrassbeef.com. Krill is a tiny shrimp-like creature that many species depend on to survive, from the great baleen whales to seals and seabirds. Humans routinely take about 300,000 tons of krill out of the ocean to use as chicken and cattle feed each year. And scientists estimate that the krill population has dropped 90% since 1980, from harvesting and the melting of sea ice where the krill feed on algae. Less sea ice, less krill. The food chain is disrupted. Health benefits from krill are many. But what other species will suffer as we use them for supplements? I'm Bill Curtis, and Earth Matters. I'm Ed Begley, and you're listening to the Green Divas Radio Show, the entertaining source for low-stress ways to live a deeper shade of green and take action for the Earth. Green Diva's heart wildlife. Who can resist all those videos and images of adorable baby animals? But sometimes these adorable creatures really need our help. Let's celebrate wild animals, learn about them, and do what we can to help them. Well, who doesn't love marine wildlife? There's so many magical things going on in the ocean uh, and the wildlife variety. And who isn't concerned? Those of us who have seen the horrifying images of uh, either marine birds or or sea turtles that have been very badly affected by the garbage that humans have disposed of that ends up in the oceans. Uh, You know, whether it's the the plastic rings from six-packs that, oh my gosh, I can't even, it's just painful to even think about it. I think you know what I'm talking about. Anyway, one woman is really making a difference. I think her idea is absolutely brilliant. Hallie Austin Eigelhart uh, she's the founder of All One Ocean, and she has this brilliant, brilliant idea called the Beach Cleanup Stations that uh, people, everybody listening, if you live anywhere near an ocean or visit one, find a way to get one of these implemented where you go. Anyway, let me let me uh, stop talking and say hi to Hallie. Hi. Thank you so much for having me, and great to say hi to everybody out there. Yeah. Yeah, it's um I was really upset when I learned about all the marine life being killed. There's a million sea creatures are killed every year from our trash and I thought oh. this is so totally preventable. Yeah. And you know, we create this situation we can do something about it. <clears throat> Excuse me. So over the years I thought of the idea of the beach cleanup station, which is a small wooden box with educational signage because some people don't know about it. It's not that they don't care, they don't right. know about this situation. Right. 
and it's real friendly. It has kids' art on it and a game and, you know, who, what, what sea creature thanks you for how much trash you pick up. And inside are repurposed coffee bean bags so that anybody can pick up the trash, making everyday beach cleanup day. And it's also appropriate for rivers and lakes, anywhere that there's water. And now we've also been asked to put them in schoolyards. Actually, the students and the parents do it together, but they're using our model to create school cleanup stations to start teaching the kids to take care of their environment and at an early age to be responsible for our consumption because 80% of our tr- of the trash in the ocean comes from land. Well, it's it's absolutely brilliant and you're right. We have to start taking more responsibility and some of us are responsible but but but, but others like you said let's not imagine that they're all evil but maybe just a little ignorant and but there's nothing more upsetting to me than seeing someone just crumple up something, throw it on the ground, and keep walking. You're like, wait, what? You couldn't wait until you got to the next garbage can? Yeah, and unfortunately with things such as single-use plastics, which are, is most of the trash in the ocean and lasts for millennia, yeah. um, it's not necessarily something that somebody just threw away. It could be something that escaped from a, a garbage right. truck That's or true. was on its way supposedly to Asia to be recycled, yeah. whereas only yeah. like 3% of what's of the uh, plastic that's generated is able to be recycled. Um, so it's 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 really, you know, it's a whole cultural thing. There was, I, we have some wonderful image is wonderful because it's so blatant in quotes from the 50s from the cover of Life magazine about the uh-huh. throwaway society yep. and from a marketing analyst who was saying we must get people consuming and throwing away things as quickly as possible, you know, yeah. presumably to stimulate the economy uh-huh. and we must make rituals out of this and uh-huh. we must have people getting their spiritual, literally this is what he says, we must get people getting their spiritual and ego satisfaction from buying things and throwing them away. It's really amazing to see this. So we've all become addicted to convenience, all of us, even how, I mean, I'm super, super green, but, you know, it's like, oh, yeah, you know, we we think, oh, can't take the time to do that. And, you know, the price of convenience is is what we're seeing. And it also affects our health because there's a lot of evidence that, um, Liquids, beverages, or food in plastics can be carcinogenic and or endocrine disruptors. So yeah. it ultimately comes back to us yeah. as well as the rest of the world. Well, certainly if the fish are eating, I mean, there have been studies, more and more studies lately showing that fish are coming up with BPA in their systems and microbeads and all kinds of crazy right. things in their in their flesh or whatever. I mean, it's in their systems now. And it's it's a bummer for them because they didn't sign up for that. But it's a bummer also for right. anybody who happens to eat them. Yes, because those chemicals have gone into their, into the, throughout their bodies. So, so what we make, oh, sorry, go ahead. No, I was going to ask, I saw that the, you, as of March 2014, you had 10 stations in California and Hawaii. I wondered what the numbers were now. Oh yeah, great! I'm glad you asked that. We have about 20, we have 25 now around uh, the San Francisco Bay Area in Hawaii and Iowa, thanks to a third grader who set some up at the lake he lives on, which is a big vacation spot. Is in that the Midwest. Sawyer and, Miller 
Yes, that's Sawyer that you we have on our website, which Love is www.allonocean.org. Thank you. We have a wonderful video that a volunteer made about Sawyer. Yeah, and and this kid, you you have to go to the website uh, and and watch this video. It's not very long, and this kid is so inspiring, and he was very inspired by your idea. His teacher told him, "Well, you can do this," and he did yeah. it. Yeah, and that's our hope now, as we've shown in the San Francisco Bay Area, that this works, people use it, it helps reduce the trash, it helps raise consciousness. I mean, they're they're largely educational, as well as helping right. um, reduce suffering and save lives, but it helps get people thinking about where did all this stuff come from. So now anybody can go to our website, they can download, or we can send them the specs for building a box, they can work with us, you know, refer people to All One Ocean um, in their signage so people know where to go to learn more because right. there's a lot of information on our website. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, 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 I cannot say enough how great an idea I think this is. It's fairly simple. It just yeah. takes a little bit of creativity, and this 8-year-old boy managed to do this. Right. In Iowa, people. So Yeah. And it, he raised the money also and he got permission from the city council. Yeah, I mean, you know. Yeah. Like, he did uh, the whole thing and so I would love it if my people here on the East Coast were listening and said, Oh yeah, I live near the beach. Maybe my town can do this. Yeah, um, and they can just get in touch with us and we'll tell them how to do it. We have a whole document exactly. how to set up a cleanup station. Yeah, and 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 you have all the documentation, and 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 you and you make it very easy, accessible, and fun. And obviously, it's a great project for students. Hello. Yeah. Yes. Uh, absolutely. These kids that we've been working with in elementary schools here, you know, to them, it's all about the animals. What can they do to help right. the animals? And so they work with their parents, and they build the boxes, and they make their own signage. And they create their own games and their art, and they put it in their schoolyards. Well, again, thank you so much, Hallie. It's a great idea, and and we're going to help to get the word out there so we can expand those boxes on our shorelines throughout Fantastic. the United States. Um, thank and, you, Megan. And again, alloneocean.org? Yes. All right. Thanks again, yeah. Hallie. Okay. Take care. Thanks for listening to this episode of Green Divas Heart Wildlife. Please visit thegreendivas.com, that's T-H-E, greendivas.com, to learn more about wildlife, nature, and a whole lot more. my age maybe silly but it's fun uh i love rafi not only because he produces some beautiful cherished children's songs that still live in my head by the way uh <laughs> not only are they living in my head but i was singing them with my grand niece the other day so that i just think that's wildly cool but he also has been working 
seemingly tireless. If you look at his bio, you will see that he founded an organization called Child Honoring, which is a beautiful organization about helping educate children and, and people about uh, rising up children in, in various circumstances, but also there is a long, long list of organizations he has worked with to help better this world in various ways, but many of them do have to do with the environment, with health, and he is quite an advocate, and he has some new music also, so we're really excited. Hi, Rafi. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so my silly story before we got started, I'm like, oh, yeah. I'll have to tell this while we're recording, Okay. is that I went to Maine to visit my sister, and I listened to Rafi with my children, and I'm, my children are now... Thirty-one, thirty, and twenty-three. Okay, mm-hmm. just to give you—I was a child bride. What can I say? <laughs> but I now have grandchildren, and I always sing along with them. And I'm teaching them, you know, Robin in the Rain, because of course the robins are all around now. But I walked into my sister's up in Maine, and she had her granddaughter with her, little Luna B, who is the cutest little fun thing. Um, and they were singing and dancing to you. Mm, well, and I thought, oh, my goodness. And they had the whole Raffi channel on, and she knows at three years old all, like, well, a lot of your repertoire there. My goodness. So it's, sure. um, you know, I don't know how we can be both be so young and have these things happen, but. It's magic. It is. It's magic. So tell us about your new, you have a new album out. Well, Megan, as you uh, know, I've been a children's entertainer for uh, over 40 years now. Um, in fact, we're celebrating the 40th anniversary wow. of my best-selling album called Singable Songs for the Very Young. Yeah. This has sold millions in, both in Canada and the United States. So I'm known to many adults who, when they were children, they sang my songs. Baby Beluga yep. is my most famous song, yeah. so I call... These adult fans who are who were Raffi fans when they were kids, I call them Beluga grads because <laughs> they graduated from that time. You see, yeah, so I like it. Th- there are 50 million Beluga grads we estimate in Canada wow. and the United States. So I'm just so thrilled that after all this time, I'm in my late 60s now, yeah. that I have a career where I still do concerts and I bring out new CDs, and people tell me daily on social media and in emails, how much my music means to their family. So I'm very, very um, uh, just fortunate and grateful for the career, the longevity that I have. Yeah. And uh, this year, in January, I brought out my umpteenth children's album. We've lost count now. I think it's probably 15th or 16th. Wow. And it's, um, it's called Owl Sing-Along. And it's inspired by the owls in my backyard on the island where I live on the west coast of Canada. And it's also inspired by my grandniece, Lucy, who is three years old now. But when she was a year and a half, and we would uh, have these visit, video visits, you know, on the laptop type of thing, yeah. she would hold up her owl stuffy, and she'd say, Uncle Raffi, owl. <laughs> <laughs> owl. <laughs> and uh, so that, I, I wanted to make a song that celebrated just how much we love owls and how interesting we find them. 
Yes. So that's where Owl Sing Along came from. Okay. Now, I, I see that there are a few new songs, and there's also some uh, older, uh, familiar mm-hmm. songs in there, mm-hmm. which, of course, we love, too. Yeah, let me start with the old ones first. I mean, uh, I took a song called The More We Get Together, yeah, and uh, I changed it to The More We Sing Together, The More We Read Together. So it, I've adapted that old one. Oh, um, that's one of my memorable favorites. Mm-hmm. And then there's a song that we used to know. Well, we know we know it as the uh, the hokey pokey. Right. I changed it into the lion pokey. Oh, all right. <laughs> so you can be a lion when you sing this song. Roar. Yeah, I have like fun that. with it. It was it was a roaring good time. <laughs> <laughs> and so then I've got a whole bunch of new songs, both which I've written, um, and also a couple of other songs that. Uh, Pete Seeger and others have have uh, sung. So, can I tell you about those? Oh, please! I have a song called "Green Dream," yes, which I'm really proud of because it's not a it's not a political song in the sense that when we say green, we mean clean, renewable energy. We're talking about a green world that you know that's evergreen. You know that, yeah. that all of us, every family, would want for their children a bright green future. So, I wrote "Green Dream." an upbeat, uh, reggae-flavored song in that beautiful, clean spirit, if you will. Yes, yes. And uh, so... Which, by the way, is a lot of fun, and I've been playing it, and you will hear it. Either you will have heard it by the time I edit this show together, you will have heard it before a little bit, (laughs) maybe a little after. Just saying. Thank you very much. Thank you. So you might say this uh, album of mine, Owl Sing-Along, has... uh, deep green uh, flavor to it. Um, it does. Then there's a song called Somos el Barco, mm. which is a beautiful song. We are the boat. Mm. We are the sea. You sail in me, I sail in you. I mean, it's a beautiful song, which I sing in, in English and in Spanish. Okay. Then I've got the garden song, uh, inch by inch, row by row, which, gonna yeah. make this garden grow. Literally, like I sing it every spring when I'm out in the garden with the grand. Taught my grandchildren the song, and I sing this one with my niece Kristen. Uh, Her voice is there singing harmony with me, so that's a beautiful thing. Oh, that's special. Yeah, and then I took uh, the old uh, song Abiyoyo. It's an old folk tale, but uh, Pete Seeger used to sing it with his banjo. Yeah, but interestingly enough, Megan, the the song is about a boy who has a ukulele. Really? So I do this song, which is like a six-minute song. <laughs> it's a story song. I yes. do it with ukulele. Oh, I have wanted to play the ukulele. <laughs> I used to own a banjo and a couple guitars. There you go. And I've never played the ukulele, and I'm, it's on my bucket list. If you get one, get one that has a lower G string. Okay. I think we call it a tenor uke. Because then it's it's a lot uh, I I think a lot more fun because it's a, sounds a little more soulful. Okay. And it's just like playing the top four strings of a guitar. Right. You'd Very think easy. I'd be able to figure it out. Yeah. So actually, ukulele is featured throughout this album. Okay. Yeah. I love a good uke. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> And I love Abba Yo-Yo. I did hear that in the sampling, but I, I know that we're going to be playing another song of yours on this particular show, and I think we want to talk about mm. that because it's a really powerful, powerful message and timely for some of the things that are going on here in this election season in the U.S. 
Thank you. Well, here's what happened. I mean, I live in Canada, but I've been watching, you know, U.S. You know, political life uh, for decades, ever since the Vietnam War. Right. Actually, even before that, the civil rights movement really made uh, an impact on me when I was a teenager, and I was hearing about Bobby Kennedy and, right. and you know, the need to respect uh, all members of society. Okay. So <clears throat> this season, I've been really inspired by one candidate who is, you might say, the deep green candidate uh, in this election who has inspired millions, and his name is Bernie Sanders, of course. Yeah, he is inspiring. I, yes, I, I love is. Bernie. He has a track record of consistency for for decades in his work in the in the Senate and as an independent senator. And he hails from Burlington, Vermont, where, by the way, I'm going to have a concert on May the nineteenth. Oh, all right. Well, <laughs> yeah. that's I'm going to make my way up north. Well, you should come anyway. And, and uh, so I wrote a song inspired by him called "Wave of Democracy," mm. and it's got uh, twenty four thousand views on Facebook. And uh, people love it, and it's got a strong chorus. It says, we the people stand together in a wave of democracy. You know, and I told, you and I were on the phone when you introduced it to me, and I and my very first thought was, wow, you know, this is a, a positive message in a sea of negativity, mm. of of people are becoming even, you know, Good people who want the best are becoming discouraged, and the mm-hmm. negativity is weighing us all down. So how fortunate we are that in, in Bernie Sanders we have someone who takes a very principled uh, stand. I mean, his whole campaign has been upbeat and positive. Yes. And he is uh, truly, I think, a once-in-a-lifetime candidate. That's why I've done something very unusual for me, uh, which is to um, write a song inspired by a, by a political uh, uh, candidate. Well, it's probably um, a lot of folks are doing rare things to get mm-hmm. behind Bernie because it's a, <laughs> it's right. he he's an unusual yeah. uh, candidate in so many ways, and uh, I am inspired. I'm, I'm mm-hmm. like you said, there there's a there's a sincerity and a positive sort of solutions based thing, and it's an inclusive message. He's uh, yeah. You know, you mentioned the civil rights, and we've come a long way from there, but in some ways there's still a lot of work to do. Yeah. So, wow. So we're going we're gonna to definitely include that song. And again, I don't know when we edit this show whether it will be before or after, but we've gotten permission from mm-hmm. Rafi to go ahead and share it with you, and uh, I hope that you'll enjoy it and uh, tell folks to go to Rafi's um, – Facebook page, and you can listen to it and watch a video there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you can share it. Share it up. Let's get it going viral. Well, there you go. I That'd mean, that's fun. that is the idea, right? And <laughs> that and would be fun. Yeah. It, it not not just for for Rafi and his wonderful music, mm-hmm. but but for the message as well, mm-hmm. of course, which uh, we need. We need it, people. <clears throat> so, yeah. Once again, Rafi is sharing always a positive a positive spin on things. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Um, which which we need, which we need. So what else? So you're going on tour, or are you just doing a, a, an event in Vermont? Well, we don't use the tour word anymore. Cause that, <laughs> the that T sort of word. suggests you're out, you know, weeks at a time. We yeah. call it select concerts. Oh, I like that. <laughs> oh, yeah. So I'm doing the, the concert on Thursday night, May the 19th, in Burlington, Vermont. 
then on Saturday and Sunday that weekend, I'm playing in Boston and New York. So people can go, if they want to see my concert schedule, they go to childhonoring.org, and child honoring is H-O-N-O-U-R-I-N-G, the Canadian spelling. <laughs> Canadian verb. Childhonoring.org, yeah. and I just click on Rafi menu uh, tab and then down to concerts. Click on that, and the whole schedule is there. Now, is this a concert, are these concerts for children? Oh, absolutely. This is a children and family concert. Oh, okay. Yeah, so it's, it's, maybe when you're in New York, I can bring my grands. Oh, that'd be great. Say, say. Yeah. Oh, all right. I'm going. I'm fa- you I'm... should jump on it because tickets are going fast. I bet they are. <laughs> uh, so, and the other thing I saw on your site was that you've worked with Daniel Lenoir? Indeed. Oh, my gosh. I just love that guy. And I, he's... he's Flown under the radar for years, but I am such a fan. He's he's a brilliant musician and producer. Yes. You know, he's produced the likes of, uh, you know, U2 and Bob Bob Dylan, Dylan, Emily Harris, and all kinds of people, Neville Brothers. And he was the sound engineer, the audio engineer, who uh, I worked with on the first four of my children's albums. Maybe that's why they sounded so good at the beginning. (laughs) They all do. I got off to a great start with them working with me. Oh, neat. I just, I, I, I... I hadn't noticed that before, so I had to mention it because... Uh, I'm glad you did. And he's done his own work, which is also mm-hmm. impressive in its own right. So, Indeed. anyway, all right, Rafi. Well, I'm so glad you could spend some time with us here today, and we're going to listen to some of your music uh, on the on the back end of this wonderful interview. And hopefully I will see you in New York, and we will talk again soon. Sounds good. Keep singing till then.
green dream for all the children, the ones who play with us and the ones to come. Sunshine and windmills, endless clean energy, and fields of plenty for all to be fed. In Mother Nature's arms, with voices near and far, children who have a say and light up our way. Green dream for our planet and all of us who love it. much for listening to this episode of the Green Divas radio show. Listen to the latest Green Divas shows every day at 11 a.m. and 6 p.m. Eastern Time on GDGD Radio at gdgdradio.com or get the GDGD Radio app for free or access our huge catalog of podcasts on demand on your favorite podcast network, iHeartRadio, iTunes, Stitcher, Spreaker, SoundCloud, and of course, along with all kinds of great posts about living a deeper shade of green on thegreendivas.com. That's T-H-E, greendivas.com. Greendivas.com.